Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Hey, stay standing. We're going to get into our message now. We are in week three of a teaching series that we are calling. Say it like you had your breakfast. We are calling it. All right, and I'm so excited to dive into our message today. I think the first congregation, the the first service, I think they liked it today. So I hope you all like it. But go with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to also get the scriptures up on the screens for those of you that are going to follow us along that way. Um, We're going to build on what we talked about the last two weeks. Um, Those messages are on YouTube if you weren't able to watch us online last week. I hope nobody came. It was raining, so we said, you know what, we're just not going to have service. And thank God for technology. Hey, let's give it up to JP and uh, my son, Jaden. Like, why? Well, (laughs) when we made the call that we couldn't have service, we showed up at 11 o'clock on Saturday night at the Film Hub, and we got uh, a message recorded edited and uploaded so thank god for technology but you know especially thank god for jp my son Jaden, because there we were at 11 o'clock recording a sermon it was funny i was talking to zach zach i was we were having lunch with zach he's like i was looking at your watch when you were preaching i was like i didn't know you could see my watch when i was preaching but he's like were you there at 11 i was like wow yeah he (laughs) we were there at 11 so anyway uh catch that message if you haven't already watched it and go back and listen to week one january 8th we were here that day but that's the foundation to this series and each week we kind of build on it so let's dive in ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 7 ezekiel's having a vision and he writes this the hand of the lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the lord and he set me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them. Everyone say that word, say. Say Say to them. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. For the next few moments, I'm gonna talk to you on this thought that I've entitled, The Sound of Revival. The sound of revival. Let's pray one last time for the hearing of God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to dive into your word. Pray, Father, that you would speak to us. God, as I speak to this corporate audience, would your spirit deposit an individual and unique word to every person under the sound of my voice? You know what they need to hear. Would you speak to them, Lord God, a word that is going to encourage them, that is going to lift them up and will renew their faith this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. Let's talk about the sound of 
revival. You know, growing up in the church, and this church is much like the church that I grew up in, a little different, but for the most part, I grew up in the type of church where you got to talk a lot in church. You get to talk a lot in church. I mean, think about it. When you, when you first show up, we make it like a point, like, get to church early. Why? So you can have coffee and talk to people, right? Just like, like get to church early and have some coffee, hang out with people. And then you get inside the service, and we're like, everybody lift up your voice. Let's all sing together. And then Mel gets up here and makes the introductions, and she's like, hey, go around and say hi to somebody. That's a lot of talking, right? It's a lot of talking. And then the preacher gets up here, and I love it when you all talk back to me. And this is the type of church where you can't talk back to me. So whether you want to say an amen or a come on or laugh at a cheesy joke, whatever it is, it's like, like it's engaging. We, we like that engagement. And then when it's over, we're, we open up the altars for an opportunity for you to talk to Jesus. You can come and have a conversation with him, and we can pray with you, believe with you, and, and, and just pray over your situation. And then when that's over, we're not the type of church where we want you all to run. We're like, hang out. Talk some more. I don't know if you've ever observed that. That was just me. But it's like, this is a church that does a lot of talking. This is a church where they really like to talk to one another. We're an introvert's nightmare. But nonetheless, <laughs> we, we, we have a good time. We love it. And today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to unpack some of this today and um, really dive into why speaking is so important and why declaring is so important and, and why we, we make such an emphasis on, on engaging in worship and engaging with the message, engaging with other people and the power of things that we say. So when, when as I've said, in the last few weeks, I've been building on this thought of revival and there are different things that I have seen in every case of revival. As I am studying revivals, both in our nation revivals across the the world revivals even in the bible there, there are some common denominators things that every revival had in common week one the first thing i talked about the, the one of the requisites of revival is prayer and fasting everybody say prayer and fasting You've never seen a revival where there hasn't been prayer and fasting. There has always been prayer and fasting as a requisite, as the prerequisite for revival. Beyond that, there has to be genuine hunger for the presence of God. That's what I talked about last week. If people are not hungry for God, he's not showing up. If, if people just come to church to check a box, if people come to church to fulfill religious obligation or social obligation, whichever it is, we don't create the type of environment where we can see God bring the dead to life again. We, we don't come with this expectation that we want to see God move. And yes, God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere present, but we feel the weight of his presence when we are hungry for his presence. So, so you have to have a hunger for his presence. But, but the last thing, and what I'm talking to you about today, not the last thing, but the third thing that I'm going to talk about and, and what I see as a marker of revivals is simply this. Revival has a sound. Every revival has a sound, and this is the sound of revival. If you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down anyway, okay? The sound of revival is faith declared. The sound of revival is faith declared. So I'm going to break this down, faith and, and, and declarations or, or declared, uh, but, but that's the sound of revival, and you see it all throughout the scriptures. And for those of you that are needing to see God revive some things in your life, we're going to dive into this concept of the faith needs to be declared. So what is faith? Well, well, thankfully, we get a definition right in the Bible. We don't got to go look it up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. The Bible gives us a scriptural definition of what faith is. 
is, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The writer says this. Now faith, he's going to define it, is confidence. Everybody say confidence. In what we hope for. Everybody say hope. And it's assurance about what we do not see. What is faith? Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. And it is assurance about what we do not see. Confidence is easy to spot, isn't it? If two people walked into the tent, one person confident and one person insecure, you would know. You don't even have to be a prophet. You would know. You'd be like, that's the confident person right there. Because confidence is easy to see. Confidence is visible. I like being around confident people. I don't know about you, but I want to work for a boss who's confident. I, I, I want to have a boss where I can sit down with him and he's got a demeanor about him that's like, ah, this guy's confident in what he does. He's confident in what he's doing. You wouldn't want to uh, imagine buying a house and your real estate agent was very insecure. How would that make you feel, right? You're like, no, I, I don't get a good rub about this person. I need someone who is secure. I need someone who is confident. And, and so confident is something that we can spot. Confident is something that we can see. And the Bible says that faith is confidence. Faith is confidence. In the same way that you can see confidence, you should be able to see faith on someone first by confidence but let's go beyond just confidence. It's confidence in what? It is confidence in what we hope for. Everybody say hope. Now, now this takes some unpacking here. What is hope? Well, our hope through the lens of the scripture is simply this. Y'all ready for it? This is the hope that we see through the lens of the scripture. The hope that we have is in Christ and that Christ is living in me. That that is what hope is through the lens of scripture. If you're looking for that verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it reads as follows. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here it is, which is Christ in you. The what? Hope of glory. So the confidence that we have is in Christ and Christ living in me. That's important because you got to be careful where you put your hope in, Lighthouse Church. You, 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 you got to be careful where you place your hope because the truth of the matter is there's very few people. I would say there's no one that ever gets everything right 100% of the time in life. And so if you place your hope on people, you might be misplacing hope. For example, I'm a father, and I want to do everything I can for my kids, but there's been times when I didn't do what I said I would do. And, and, and that doesn't make me a bad person. It just makes me a person. We, we all have great intentions, but we don't always execute on our intentions. And, and, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. You trusted your dad for something. You trusted your mom for something. You trusted your boss for something. You had hope that something was going to work out. And it didn't work out. You had hope you were going to get a raise. And the only thing that raised was the cost of eggs. You didn't get a raise because we're in a recession. And you had all this hope. My raise is going to kick in. And then it didn't kick in. And so sometimes we place our hope on things that we shouldn't be placing our hope in. We place our hope on people, and we shouldn't place our hope on people. I've got a lot of confidence in my wife. I've got a lot of confidence in my parents. I've got a lot of confidence in my loved ones. 
but they're bound to let me down. And that's not because they're flaky people. They're just people. And people make mistakes and people aren't perfect. So, but through the lens of scripture, we know someone who is perfect and his name is Jesus. I thought I'd get a better response than that. I said we know someone who we can hope and that hope is Jesus. And, and what we need to do is put our confidence in him. We don't put our confidence in people. We don't put our confidence in a pastor. We don't put our confidence in a position. We don't put our confidence in a program. Our confidence is in Jesus. And Colossians says that when Christ is living in us, we have this hope that Christ will never let us down. Christ will never disappoint us. He's never lost a battle. He is the only one who is undefeated if he says he's going to do it take it to the bank because he will do it that's the confidence we have in the hope of who he is and 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 so we we've got to get our hope right everybody say hope Hope. so confidence is in christ because he's never going to let me down and and now now let me unpack on this let me unpack this a little more because I can understand someone in the room, they're like, well, Pastor Josh, I mean, that's, that's good for you. He never let you down. But I've got some prayers that he didn't answer. I've got some requests that he didn't listen to. Here's what I know about God. He may not give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. <clears throat> he may not give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. So for those of you that, that, that maybe you have a t- tainted view of Christ, I'd encourage you to lean in and start asking God to show his will to you. Because sometimes we get hurt with God. Because you wanted that girl. God, I prayed for that girl. God, I knew she was the one. And he's like, no, no, fam, she ain't the one for you. Now, I know that's what you wanted, but that's not what you needed. And and so I didn't give you what you wanted. Sometimes you're like, I want that job. I need that job. It's going to give me the, the salary I want. But what God knows is the disappointment that you will become to your children if you got that job. So there are some times where you need to thank God for the closed door. There are some times you need to thank God for the no. There are some times you need to thank God that you didn't get what you want. Because had you received what you wanted, you wouldn't want it no more. And God knows you're ending from the beginning. And that's why we have our confidence in him. So, so we don't need to worry about him being broken we need to worry about making sure we can take his no's because even his no is a yes to God's will for your life. Does that make sense? I mean, it's a no, but it's a yes in that he's moving you closer to your purpose. It's a closed door, but that's the door that needed to be closed. So you need to learn to thank God for open doors and especially thank God for closed doors. I thank God for every opportunity he's given me and I thank God for every opportunity he said, that ain't the one for you. And that's why we have hope in him. Now let's go on to the next thing it says. It says it's confidence in our hope, but it also says assurance about what we do not see. Everybody say assurance. Assurance. The writer is making a contrast here about what we see. He's careful to say it's assurance about what we do not see. Pastor Josh, what does that mean? Assurance about what we do not see. Let me break it down for you. We all have two sets of eyes. We have our natural eyes that see what is natural, physical. Okay? But we also have spiritual eyes that are supposed to discern what is unseen. Every single one of us. You have natural eyes, but you also need to see what cannot be seen in the supernatural, in the invisible. And this is what the writer is talking about right here. He's saying you have to have assurance about what you cannot see. 
because I don't know if you know this Lighthouse Church, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that what is unseen is more real than what is seen. What we see in the natural, it's going to pass away. But what we see, what we see in the spiritual, that's what's going to live on forever. Now, the older I get, the more I thank God for this. Why? Because the older I get, the more my back hurts. The older I get, the more my knee hurts. The more I get, the less stuff I can eat. And I, and I growing up in the church, the, I'd hear the old folks talk about their glorified body. I'd be in my 20s. I'm like, I like my body. My body's good. My body's work. My body's strong. Get north of 40. And then all of a sudden, you're like, can't wait for my glorified body. You know what I mean? It's like the older we get, the more we're looking forward to our glorified body. Our body that we can see. Come on. There's going to be no cellulite in heaven. Come on, somebody. There'll be no calories in heaven. Come on, somebody. We get all excited about it. Except for the young kids. They're all like, what is wrong with the old people in the room? And I've officially joined them by saying that. But, but, but listen to what this scripture says here in 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we have got to look through our spiritual eyes and believe that there are some things that are in the kingdom of God that you cannot see, that you've got to put your faith in those things. You got to put your hope in those things. You got to put your confidence in those things. Because when you do, you can see the thing that is unseen start to be seen in your life. When you begin to see with your spirit eyes, you might be saying, Pastor Josh, I don't believe that. Well, let's do a little talk about economics right now quickly what's the prime interest rate right now does anybody know what prime interest rate is seven and a half my wife knows because she was here in the first service she cheated (laughs) prime interest rate as of wednesday at the time of the writing of this sermon it was seven it keeps going up so i don't know it was seven and a half percent i asked our local real estate agent kelly deluca i said kelly what's the average rate right now that people are seeing on their home mortgages she said it's six percent i nearly dropped my coffee and fell out of my chair when she told me that like it's six percent and you might be wondering why it's because i got one of those donald trump two percent interest loans on my home come on somebody i don't care who the president was at the time it happened to be him but thank god for that two percent interest rate how many y'all got that crazy two percent rate on your interest where are all the blessed people you know what i'm talking about thank god for that i heard that six percent it hurt my spirit I got offended when she's like, it's 6%. I'm like, oh, Jesus, okay. How do you even afford to buy a house? Anyway, I'm severely off track now. Here's my point. In the natural, the interest rate is 6%. But let me tell you a little bit about our story. You see, a year and a half into COVID, we were without a home, and we were praying that God would lead us somewhere into a building that we could afford. When your church is one and a half years old, you can't afford much. Some of y'all were like, Pastor Josh, did you see the old Fry's building? I'm like, yeah, you got two and $10 million because I ain't got it. <laughs> y'all were looking at me like with like crazier faith than I had. That's a huge building. Yeah, huge building, huge mortgage. Like, what, what are you thinking? You know, it's like, it's like we, we're never going to get that. So I was just praying that, that God would do something for us. And while we were praying for a building, there was a church that was no longer um, able to operate. And they were praying for a congregation. And so Emmanuel Bible Church, that was the congregation that was here before, was getting ready to turn this building over to another church. And when we began to pray that God would do something supernatural, they began to pray that God would do something supernatural. And here's how heaven works. Our prayers collided, and we bought this property for the price of a house in San Diego with a 
0% interest rate because the economy of heaven says we don't do 6%. We do 0%. And, and, and we began to believe against all odds. We began to believe that God would do a miracle. And when you begin to believe in the unseen, you begin to see the economy of heaven come down to earth. And you begin to see things that you don't see with your natural eyes, but your spiritual eyes has to show you these things. And so we are walking in a miracle. For those of you like, oh, Pastor Josh, this whole, I, I don't know if you can see it. And, 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 and what's more real is that which is not seen, this is where it takes faith. And this is where we have to live, Lighthouse Church. Here's the reason why. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I gave you the definition, Hebrews 11, 1. Let me give you what Paul says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. He says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You have to have faith. If you are going to have a relationship with him, it is going to be built on a foundation of faith. But let me go on because the first thing I talked to you about, I said the sound of revival is faith declared. We've talked about faith. Let's talk about what it means for it to be declared. Write this down. A declaration is the expression of our thoughts. A declaration is the expression of our thoughts. So in order to talk about declarations, let's, let's first talk about thoughts, okay? Thoughts are very important. Thoughts are something that we have to get under control because once we get our thoughts under control, now we can begin, now we can begin to declare with authority what God is saying to us. I love this quote. It's by Pastor Craig Rochelle. Some of you guys have read his book and you know this quote. It says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So, so whatever thought is, 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 is the strongest in your mind, that's the direction of your life. Now, I know there's a lot of cheesy preachers, and they have a lot of cheesy lines, and you've probably heard this one before, and as cheesy as it is, it's got a lot of truth to this. Maybe you heard the preacher say, you've got to fix your stinking thinking. You guys heard that one? (laughs) It's so true, though. It is so true because so many of us have our thoughts out of control. And listen, a negative thought doesn't make you a negative person. It just makes you a person. We've all got negative thoughts. We've all got negative thoughts that invade our mind. We've all got negative thoughts that come and get, they, they deposit into our head. And what we have got to do, should you hear me good, Lighthouse Church? What we have got to do is every time we get a negative thought is we have to overcome that negative thought with the word of God. We, every time we get a thought that comes into our head saying that you are not good enough, you have got to overcome that thought with the word of God. Here's what you don't do. And let me smash on your favorite influencers right now. Okay. Because you see a lot of new age right now that just says, oh, just think happy thoughts and you'll feel better. If you get a negative thought, it's the power of positive thinking. No, it's not. It's not about positive thinking, and it's not about happy thoughts. What you need to do to overcome negative thoughts is invoke the word of God over every single negative thought. Think about this for a second. 
after Jesus was baptized, the Bible says he was led up to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. When Satan got there and started to mess with them and sow negative thoughts, Jesus didn't think a happy thought. Jesus did not do the power of positive thinking. Every time the enemy tried to tempt Jesus, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you have to overcome negative thoughts with the word of God. And sometimes, oh, Pastor Josh, but it's a positive thought. It's a good thing. Just because it's a good thing doesn't make it a God thing. And New Ageism and spiritualism is trying to dilute the authority of God's word. Happy thoughts don't have authority. Do you want to know what has authority? The word of God. Why? Because it's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God said kings and kingdoms, heaven and earth, they'll all pass away. But my word remains. My word will remain. So we don't overcome toxic thoughts with anything but the word of God. This is why the leadership college, the Bible college is so important. We have people spending hundreds of hours in their word and when the enemy comes and tries to mess with them it's the word of god that they're combating the enemy with that they we're speaking the word of god we are invoking the word of god over every negative situation in our life every time we get a negative thought no no, no i'm not going to think that negative thought and how do we do that and, and pastor josh really is, is is this is this how we're supposed to do it well let me read some scriptures to you second corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5 the writer says this the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this, okay? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Are you tracking with me, Lighthouse Church? You've got some thoughts that you've got to capture and make it obedient to the word of God. You can't let those thoughts run rampant in your head, telling you you're not good enough, telling you there's something wrong with you, telling you your trauma's got the best of you, telling you your insecurity is going to dictate your future. You grab those negative thoughts. Paul said, capture those things and then make them obedient to the word of God. What does the word of God say? The word of God says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world what does the word of God says you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus what does the word of God say I'm not an accident but I am fearfully and wonderfully made everything that's going on in my life I've got a scripture for it but you've got to get in your word and as you get in your word you're going to take these thoughts captive and then you make them obedient to the word of God. Y'all parents know what I'm talking about. It's like wrangling your kids and making them obedient to you. In the same way, you're like wrangling these thoughts and making them obedient to the word of God. And so it starts with thoughts, but then it goes on to declarations. Everybody say declarations. At some point, you have to then declare what you are thinking. I got to talk about thoughts because you, you can't just start declaring things without at first being rooted in God's word. And, and, and the church has kind of fallen on some hard times when it comes to this theology because a lot of churches have gotten this theology all jacked up. This just say it, say it, say it until you see it, see it, see it. You know, like, like that don't work. <laughs> just speak your way into a mansion. I wish it would work that way, you know. Just speak your way into a Maserati. I wish it would work that way. It just it don't work that way, okay? I've been saying it for a long time. Same about trying to speak about a husband. Anyway, um, anyway. But I will say this, just because some people have gotten some things wrong doesn't mean there's not truth in it. 
Because Proverbs teaches us this. Proverbs teaches us that the tongue has the power of life and death. And I grew up with the King James Version of that verse, and it says life and death is in the power of the tongue. When what we declare is rooted in God's word, and again, mansions and the Rolls Royce, all that, it's, that's not rooted in God's word. So, so it, it's, it's distorted when it's done wrong, but when it is done right, it is absolutely a source of authority. So, so when our declarations are rooted in God's word, we have to start to speak over our situations in life. We have to start to speak over the things in our life that need to come to life again. If your marriage is not going well, speak over your marriage. If things are broken with your kids, speak over your kids. If there's something wrong with your finances, speak over your finances. Speak over your career. Speak over the areas of your life where you want to see God revive them again. But that is the key. You've got to speak over it. You can't get funny about it. And some of you are like, I'll just pray about it. You ain't praying about nothing. That's just something you say to pacify someone. You've got to actually speak. You've got to open up your mouth and say something. Let me take you back to Ezekiel. We open with this passage of scripture. And I'm coming to a close now. Let me take you back to it. Ezekiel chapter 37. He's in a vision. Here's what it says. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me up by the spirit. And he set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to these bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He didn't tell them to touch the bones. He said, speak. He didn't tell them to do anything else. Just speak over the bones. Say to the bones. Say to the bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied, verse 7, as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, there was a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I believe some of you just need to start speaking over the situations in your life. You need to start speaking over your struggles. You need to start speaking over the attacks of the enemy. You need to start speaking the word of God over every single area in your life where you're feeling like you are being attacked. The only reason that attack is persisting is because you won't say anything. You just haven't said anything. I wonder if God's just back there like, I'm just waiting for you, Jack. I'm ready to do something. I mean, the Bible does say he searches the earth to and fro, looking for a man that he can show himself strong, but he's looking for someone to open up their mouth and say something. Let me take you to another passage of scripture. Let me take you to Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 8. God tells Moses, because all the people that were with him in the wilderness, they were thirsty. So God tells Moses this. Let me read it to you. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff. He was a shepherd. He had a staff in his hand. And you and your brother Aaron, gather the people together and speak to that rock. Everybody say speak. Speak, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. This, this made no sense. You see, the first time this happened, this wasn't the first time it happened. The first time this happened, the Bible says that Moses heard from God and God said, take your staff, hit the rock. I'm going to make water come. Moses is like, all right, we're about to do the trick again. This time, God says, Moses, speak to the rock. He was trying to take him from faith to faith. The first time he did it, he struck it with the staff. The next time, God said, don't do that. That's what worked yesterday. Just because it worked yesterday doesn't mean it works today. That's a whole different sermon for another day. But he said, say to the rock. And what did Moses do? Struck it. You want to know how upset God got with him? And don't tell me God is a loving God and never gets a temper. Because I see a lot of times God got a temper. Bible said that God got so Moses, so mad at Moses, said, just for that, you ain't going into the promised land. 
I'll let you look at it, but you can't go in. Why? Because he did not speak. God was trying to take him to a whole new level. And said, but, I, but in order to operate at this level, it's going to require you to speak. Some of you listen to me. God's trying to take you to a level that's going to require you to speak more. It's not going to, it's not, you're not going to get there by doing what you did last year. You're not going to get there by what you, do, what you did two years ago. God's lifting you up, and he's trying to put greater authority on your life. He's trying to put greater power in your life. He's trying to put greater anointing in your life. But he's waiting for you to speak. Moses, you missed your moment. God said, speak, and you struck it. How about in Joshua chapter 6? As soon as the Israelites now go into the promised land, their first enemy is Jericho. And then God tells them to do something very funny. I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho every day for seven days. And on the seventh day, after you're done walking through it, I want you to shout. You want me to what? Open up your mouth. Shout. Let out your voice. And what happened? The walls came tumbling down. Now, now here's the last one. And I'm closing with this. Let me get the worship team up here. In the book of Acts. And for those of you that are in your one-year Bible reading plan, where's everybody on the one-year Bible reading plan with Lighthouse? Just going, where you at? Come on, I love it. I was so excited. I opened it up. We had over 100 followers on our, our Bible plan. Over 100 of you have already jumped in, and you're now tracking with Lighthouse Church on the Bible app. So you guys are awesome for doing that. But you read this this week. Chapter 16 of Acts, verses 15 through 27. It says, at midnight. Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns to God. They were in a prison, everybody. Lighthouse Church, they were in a prison. Shackles on their feet, shackles on their wrists. And the Bible says at midnight, when it was the darkest, they didn't close their mouths, but they began to sing. They began to pray. And when they did that, there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. There are some chains in your life that will come loose if you will stop being so quiet open up your mouth talk to your father speak over the attacks of the enemy and you'll see a victory in your life oh pastor josh i think you're being really fanatical about the text let me just tell you about what happened to me over the last few weeks i've kind of been attacked lately i've been sharing my pastors i've just been journeying over some stuff there's some health stuff going on i'm fine the devil's a liar but just been like going through it and uh i got really upset because then i just started seeing like then my wife got affected and then i started seeing my boy affected and that night, I just got so upset. I was like, it's been one attack after another attack after another attack. But that's what happens when you believe for revival, Lighthouse Church. You think the enemy wants to see revival in this city? Do you think the enemy is just going to lay back and let us go ahead and see revival? He will attack in any way that he can. And it just started to feel like all the stuff that was happening in our home was a spiritual attack. And then as I was putting my son down, I could just hear him just coughing and having a difficult time breathing. And, and, and the enemy has attacked this particularly this particular child of mine over and over again. Like he's always attacking this one. And I know it's because of the word of God over his life. And there's already been words of prophecy over him. And I just know that the enemy's going to do anything he can to throw him off course. But that night, I just got so fed up. And even though I had some of my own issues going on in my stomach, and it's kind of affected a lot going on with me, I said, today's a day where it's not going to be about me. It's about my kid. And I began to pray over my son. And I'm not talking that cute little, you know, give him good dreams, Father. You know, nothing like that. I, I, I laid over his legs in bed very similarly to like the prophet Elijah did. 
And I just begin to cry out to God with a loud voice. I begin to speak in tongues with a loud voice. Don't let that weird you out. It's in the Bible, okay? And so I'm just like speaking in tongues, and I'm crying out to God. And as I was speaking in tongues in my son's room, I just felt this warmth that began to hit the parts of my body that had been so affected lately. I began to feel this warmth, and I just feel like God was healing me as I opened up my mouth. As I begin to pray over my child, not a cute little prayer, but my son needed to hear his father cry out to his God. And your children need to hear you cry out loud too, mom and dad. When's the last time your children heard you pray at home? And I'm not talking about that carne asada that you're about to eat or that steak. I'm talking about some of y'all, the only time you're praying is over your food. I'm talking about when's the last time your kid heard you grab a hold of the altar at home and cried out to God? And in that moment, I just felt like God was healing me. And I felt like he was healing my son. And I just began to feel a weight lift in my home. But it happened the moment I lifted up my voice. So this is why we say shout to God. This is why we say sing out loud. This is why we say speak over your situation. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And I'm pushing you, Lighthouse Church. Stop being cute in your prayers with God. It's okay to get nasty in prayer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just get like nasty with God. Not with him. Just. Some of y'all playing patty cake with the devil and he's destroying your marriage. God, if you could just handle this. Some of y'all in your prayer need to spend some time rebuking the devil. Some of y'all need to spend some time warring against him. Some of you need to spend some time casting some things out. You need to take the authority that God has given you and speak over that thing. Revival has a sound, and it ain't quiet. Revival has a sound, and it's not a quiet church. Revival has a sound, and it's, it's not. The, the, the revival has a sound. And I think that God is just waiting on us. Let me pray over you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your church right now. Pray over every marriage right now. In the name of Jesus, I command every spirit that is trying to break up marriages to leave. In Jesus' name. We rebuke every attack of the enemy. We come against every wicked, every wickedness. We come against every weapon of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And we just pray, Father, right now that you would bring healing over every marriage, healing over every home. Come on, if your marriage has been going through it, you should be speaking right now. If your home has been going through it, open up your mouth and just begin to speak over it. Father, revive the love in my home. Revive the peace in my home. Revive the joy in my marriage again. Revive our marriage again, Father. I feel like the enemy's been attacking us. Bring it back to life. God, revive my marriage. Revive my relationships with my children. God, my children are gone. I don't even talk to them anymore. Revive it, Lord Jesus. Bring my son home. Bring my daughter home. Revive my relationships again. God, revive the gift in the ministry that you've called me to. God, revive the things in my life that were broken. God, I pray for healing over all every traumatic experience over my life. I pray for healing for all the hurt that was done to me. I pray for healing over all the abuse that was done to me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, all of those things that were done to me, they're not going to hold me anymore. 
They held me in the past, but they're not holding me in my future. Victory is here. Salvation is here. Deliverance is here. Liberty is here in Jesus' name. Come on, Lighthouse, just begin to speak over every situation in your life. Just begin to speak over it right now. Speak over those things. Come on, somebody, open up your mouth and just begin to declare. Declare the word of God over your situation. Declare the word of God over your situation. Declare the word of God over your circumstance. Declare the word of God over your brokenness. Declare the word of God over your pain. Declare the word of God over your suffering. You do not have to live like that anymore. You do not have to carry that pain anymore. But it begins with you opening up your mouth. It begins with you speaking over it. Come on, Lighthouse Church. Let's declare it. Come on, let's declare it right now. Come on, let's all stand up on our feet and let's just worship our Father. If you don't know what to say, just sing with the song that the worship team is singing right now. Come on, but victory is in the house right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.